0: Hey everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for tuning in, and an especially big thank you to our live viewers. I'm Lauren, this is my producer Liam. Hello, hello. I was going to say we have a great show in store for you today, but apparently I've been saying that too much, according don't to know. Liam.
1: I was just saying we can mix up a bit, talking, that's all I was talking suggesting. Talking too
0: much about how great the show is, so we it's have a show false. of indescribable quality coming up for you today. <laughs> uh... Some some seriously great stories, though. We're starting off with uh, the sexy burka photo mm. that was featured on Sports Illustrated. The burkini, or should I say. Uh, then we have Jacob Wool in trouble for... Uh, it's looking like trying to, I don't know, conjure up some... Or even falsify some false sexual assault allegations against uh, Peter Buttigieg. And uh, then we're going to talk about Game of Thrones diversity. Or rather lack of diversity and possible messages about immigrants there. And then finally coming up, we have our interview with Tim Poole and Bill Ottman. Uh, Tim Poole, of cor- course, he's a content creator. He's on YouTube. He's also the founder of Subverse.net. And Bill Ottman is the uh, one of the co-founders and is the CEO of Minds.com, a platform that we are also on, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, so Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you want to support the show, you can like, share, subscribe, comment, helps us out a lot. If you want to help us keep the lights on around here, you can of course go over to blazetv.com forward slash Lauren and use the code Lauren to subscribe. It's going to save you money. Also, in addition to our show, which is of course amazing, you're also going to get shows like Ali Stuckey's, uh, Graham Allen, Steven Crowder, of course, Mark Levin, Glenn Beck, Who else? Phil Robertson, the Doug Dynasty guys. We, like, so many shows.
1: A really ton of choice. You
0: will not lack for content if you subscribe. And if you're a live viewer of ours and you want to help the show out, you can also give us a super chat. We're not going to take them during the first hour, but then afterwards, in the after show, we are going to go through all of them, answer all of them. And especially if you want to hear our take on Game of Thrones happenings, we're going to try to keep it, like, kind of general and about the article we're addressing during Mm. that segment. But if you want to really nerd out with us, maybe we do that. Yeah,
1: We'll give you a spoiler one in advance, too.
0: I have, He's he thinks previews of, sh- of episodes are. are spoilers. That's not, no, he's overly sensitive. We're going to keep it, we're going to try to keep it as clean as possible. Okay. Uh, so in our first story, um, history was recently made, you guys may not know, because the first woman in a burkini, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a mix between a burka and a bathing suit. So it's like you're, you're covered from head to toe. And I think it includes like a little hijab piece that's almost like a swimming cap Mm -hmm. so a woman wearing that was featured on with on sports illustrated Mm -hmm. and uh was the first time that's ever happened i think we have a video of that it's pretty uh arousing you know a lot of not not skin being shown but maybe body shape is the more accurate way to say that and uh, we can pull that up now In the States, I never really felt represented because I never could flip through a magazine and see a girl who was wearing a hijab. So she's obviously a very beautiful woman. Um, I don't think anyone would deny that. She looks like she could absolutely be on cover of Sports Illustrated. The reason why people are kind of bringing this up is that it's it's a little bit ridiculous if you think about it. I mean, nothing against Sports Illustrated as a magazine. I mean, I think
1: I yeah, mean, they it's,
0: just have pictures of usually scantily clad women. It right? seems Not like a really nude though. I don't.
1: Think. No, no, it seems yeah. like a really weird choice for the consumer base, right? Right, exactly. Like, I remember like when they were painting on little bikinis onto women. Like, yeah, like that's what the people buy their magazines for. So it seemed like a really weird choice to suddenly have like diversity in their magazines.
0: Yeah, like you know, the I mean, point. It, again. If you want to Sports Illustrated, that's fine. If you want to wear the bikini, that's fine. It seems like a really weir- weird match. Like, hey, we're all about skimpy clothing. Hey, I'm all about protecting modesty for Allah. Let's do this together. So, I mean, I think it it, it makes sense why people are kind of raising eyebrows about this. Um, and you know what? As weird as I think it is in a concept, I'm also not going to complain about this. Let me let me tell you why. A lot of conservatives are saying that Sports Illustrated shouldn't have done this. Um, I'm not going to rag on a magazine for featuring someone dressed modestly. Okay. I'm not like, what like should I be complaining that she should take off more clothes? I to um, like trying to push more skimpy clothing to own the libs. Like that seems like a really weird. I thought, so no, I mean, I,
1: I can definitely agree with that point, but I would say as a counterpoint to that, like, I do think there's a difference between dressing modestly and what the burqa might represent, right? So there are places in the world where the burqa is mandatory and the, there are actual laws that if you yeah. violate, if you don't wear the burqa, that you can be severely punished. Mm-hmm. Um, like it does in some places actually represent a real patriarchy.
0: Yeah, so. for sure. and. I, I'm not going to deny that for some women who are forced to wear burkas or burkinis, as a, as it may be in this case, um, that it's not a choice. It is literally oppressive and patriarchal. Uh, but that being said, considering that this woman, I think in that video, it says that she was raised in the States. She wasn't born there, but raised in the States. Um, it can be for some women a choice. And I think a lot of people think, no, it's, it's always a symbol of oppression and patriarchy. But I think those people who believe that they don't understand that some women may just voluntarily want to protect their own modesty Mm. or may want to be as modest as possible and that no skin is being shown i obviously don't agree with that in the way i dress because i don't wear burqas but i I can respect someone else's choice to do that. And especially like for a lot of women, um, the veil is a sign of devotion to God. It's, Mm. you know, like the way that nuns wear the habit and actually, you know, Amish women also wear head coverings. Um, There is a small movement among some more orthodox or fundamentalist Christians, even Catholics to bring back veiling in church. I've seen it done a couple of times, Um, but it's not very widespread. But even so, I'm not going to hate on a woman for being pious and modest. I'm just not, actually, I I wanted to share with you guys, I, you may not know this, I went to BYU for university for part of it. Started out my freshman year somewhere else. Um, But that's that's a Mormon school, for those of you who don't know. You don't have to be Mormon to go there, and I'm not Mormon, but I did, I got a scholarship and they had a good program. Overall, lucky to go there, but still, what a lot of people may not know about that school is that if you want to go there, there's actually a very strict honor code, which includes a a quite restrictive dress code, especially for, uh, I guess, Western 21st century standards. And, uh, you know, there, if you're, regardless of your gender, you can't have anything above the knee and you can't wear anything sleeveless. So even like cap shirts were not allowed. You can't wear leggings as pants. That's not allowed. Um, And I'm not saying that it's it's a bad thing, but they kind of there, that was sort of the place where if I were wearing shorts to go jogging, I would get dirty looks, and yeah, you know, I'm not a skimpy dresser, but jogging shorts were seen as risque. Right. Um, and there was this one clothing brand that this story made me think of. It was called Sexy Modest, hmm. which I mean, I you, you can be sexy and you can be modest, but I think it's weird to try to be both at the same time. Mm,
1: to move I think the paradox.
0: Yeah, you're not doing one of them very well. Uh, a- anyway, um, so there there are some people who've been making fun of this, and actually, the Babylon Bee. Which is uh, uh, they're they're almost like the onion, but kind of like conservative Christian. Yeah, they they do like parody stuff. They're funny anyway. Um, they they have a piece that they put out in response to this. We can pull it up. We have it on on screen now. And they they they're kind of pointing out the fact that yeah, people are all celebrating it since it's like a burkini. But if it were to be, you know, here I think there's like a like a Baptist supermodel. Who wanted to dress modestly? People wouldn't be as you know as celebratory, which I think is absolutely true. There's there's a yes. double standard here yeah. because no other no other time would the left be like, hey, this woman's dressing modestly, that's amazing.
1: But I guess I, one of the arguments I saw in that article though was also that. Um, if this was a Baptist supermodel, that the Baptists would be celebrating, but because that it's Muslim, they're not celebrating the, yeah. the piety of it. Yeah, and that's the thing like, that that's true.
0: I do. I do think that that's true. Okay. And I think for for some people, unfortunately, the fact like I, I have seen in that article kind of makes fun of the fact that there are some people who might think themselves like committed Christians who are saying like, no, how could she wear that? She has to wear a regular bathing suit, like they want her to dress more scantily clad, mm, and that's yeah. that's what I'm saying is weird. Like I know Islam for a lot of people is seen as this very negative thing, but I don't think you should be encouraging women to dress less modestly in in order to own the libs. Just just my two cents. I don't think it makes much sense. Um, but anyway, moving on. Our next story is about Jacob Wall. Now, I don't know how to describe him. He's like this internet celebrity persona commentator he was at cpac this year i think Mm -hmm. um he's got or he used to have quite a large twitter following before he got banned um he's kind of known as a little bit of a swindler con man he has a very Mm -hmm. um colorful history especially for someone so young he's i think younger than us i think he's he's
1: 21 yeah he's he's very young
0: um in very industrious. Pa- very industrious. Yes. In the past, he was actually um, caught trying to. It's it's a crazy story. If you're interested in this, I recommend looking it up. There are articles and articles about this. He was caught trying to like defraud investors, mm-hmm. um, and trying to create essentially a super PAC that would influence elections so that the investors could make money on like bets about who would win
1: right they're, elections. Yeah, they would try to influence that by propagating fake stories and things like, like what he was doing here. Yeah. There's an article you can find about it. And you can look, actually find it on the, what is it, some leaked documents from their, their company. Yeah, you can so. see like
0: leaked documents. They got a lot of info on this guy. I think the FEC actually ended up reprimanding him. He can't serve on the on the board of things anymore. Um that's not the only other thing he's done, but recently this week, uh, it was released that he apparently tried to uh, frame or tried to convince someone to say that they had been sexually harassed by presidential nominee Pete Buttigieg, mm-hmm. uh, who is gay. It's a crazy story. It's almost like soap opera stuff. We have um, we have some articles, up, it, an article pulled up here. It's from the Daily Beast. They're the ones who broke this story. Um, Far-right smear merchants tried to slime Pete Buttigieg with bogus sex assault claim. According to them, a Republican source told the Daily Beast that lobbyist Jack Berkman and internet troll Jacob Wool approached him last week to try to convince him to falsely falsely accuse Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, of engaging him sexually while he was too drunk to consent. The source who spoke to the Daily Beast said Berkman and Wohl made clear that their goal was to kneecap Buttigieg's momentum in the 2020 presidential race. The man asked to remain anonymous out of a concern that the resulting publicity might imperil his employment. And because he said Wohl and Berkman have a reputation for vindictiveness, I hope they don't go after us. <laughs> <laughs> but the source provided the Daily Beast with surreptitious audio recording of the mi- of the meeting, which corroborates his account. In it, Wall appears to refer to Buttigieg as a terminal threat to President Donald Trump's re-election next year. And it continues that on Monday, a separate individual using the name of Hunter Kelly published a post on the site Medium in which he alleged that Buttigieg sexually assaulted him in February. That post was tweeted out by David Wall, Jacob's father, and quickly rewritten by the site Big League Politics, which is known as a landing ground for right-wing conspiracy theories. And um, so I think Hunter Kelly... Is an actual person? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah is an a actual real person. person. So since then he's come out to say that this isn't this isn't true. Uh, he says, "quote It's important for everyone to know that I was not sexually assaulted and would never falsely accuse anyone." He wrote to keep it brief for now. I was approached by a political figure to come to D.C. to discuss political situations from the standpoint of a gay Republican. When I arrived, they discussed Peter Buttigieg and started talking about how they would be working a campaign against him. I went to bed and woke up with. To a fake twitter at real hunter kelly and an article that i in no way endorsed or wrote i have since left and i'm working on a formal statement to give to everyone including the buddha family who that's uh that's quite the tale um okay so i there's a lot to unpack here um i think once this was released a lot of people who are conservative on social media figures have all been kind of denouncing this and this person right. saying we wash our hands of this, don't want anything to do with this, which makes sense. And for anyone wondering, I'm officially doing that now, right? <laughs> like, no. Of course. Um, people are wondering, is he going to jail? What are what are the consequences? Because apparently the Daily Beast does have proof of this. And, you know, uh, Jacob Wool he's faced, I don't know, like, he hasn't gone to prison or anything, but he's, he's faced consequences in the past for... Things like this that he's yeah. done, he's what, what do you think? He's walking a fine
1: think? line. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a lawyer, so I couldn't tell you, but I would not be surprised if he could be opening himself up to a civil suit for a defamation, at least, if yeah. they have sufficient evidence. It's really hard to try to prove these things, I think, but I'm not sure that he's done anything that would be I mean, criminal. I think, yeah,
0: maybe not criminal, but I think there's definitely the door open for something civil there. If I Like, I mean... Defamation definitely sounds like a possibility, right. and I just feel like reading that article and stuff he's done in the past. I feel like this guy is trying to live his life, live his life like Game of Thrones, yeah, or House of Cards. But he's just not. It feels good like at it.
1: he's trying to play 4D chess, but he only knows how to play checkers against <laughs> a computer on easy. You know, yeah. like a- so it's
0: like it's 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 not working. So like anyone watching this, my advice would be do don't try to plot and scheme and just undermine and do these these gross, evil things, don't do it. But if you are going to do it, at least do it well. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause like, this is like the, the worst of both worlds. Not only do you like not have the results that you wanted, but you're also just implicating yourself in a whole bunch of things that it's a train wreck. Yeah. make yourself and your entire side look really, really bad.
1: Okay. So aside from things that sound like minor dog whistles, do you think that the right should engage in these kind of slander tactics that the left does? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause we well, everybody will come out and say, don't do that you know but do you think that people really mean don't do that mean, what do you mean like think?
0: are some people kind of like don't do that
1: yeah exactly don't engage in the things that the For anyone who is listening to does. this
0: on audio only I was winking as I said that Yes. um so maybe um th- okay there are admittedly people on the right who do engage with this kind of thing like I'm not going to say mm. it's just it's just the left because as we're seeing right now with this article coming out it's not just them. Um, actually, and I, I think I just mentioned to you earlier, this is obviously not the same uh, scale of this. And I'm not saying these two things are analogous. But Laura Loomer was also uh, last night, I think it was in front of Jack Dorsey's house right. in the middle of the night, yelling at him to come out and meet her, which...
1: Reminds me of Tucker Carlson situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I
0: don't like people showing up at other people's houses. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's a pretty fair standard to have. There are people on the right, though, who think that, I don't know, our cause is just enough that it kind of excuses whatever tactics or like they're awful enough people on the other side where they don't deserve just civility or privacy or to not be falsely accused of sexual molestation. I don't agree with that, no. Like, not only is it just morally wrong, um, it's also, as we're seeing, ineffective. Like, yeah. I, I think <laughs> it's just, it doesn't work. Like, A, it literally doesn't work and that people are finding out, for Jacob especially, this isn't the first time, like, It's come out that he's trying to do stuff like this. But I think part of the reason why um, the far left is alienating themselves from people who are kind of like moderate Democrats, moderately left, or even center left or centrist is that they look crazy to other people. When you do this, you look crazy. Maybe you might have a select group of like really diehard fans on, on Twitter, like these politico junkies or whatever, who are like, yeah, yeah, do it. Everyone else thinks you look insane. It looks bad. And it's just, it's just, it's bad optics, if nothing else. So if the argument that it's not morally okay to try and paint someone else as being a sexual assaulter, which that the argument should be enough, by the way, it's just wrong. Um, hopefully you can understand that at the very least, the optics are bad and you're not doing any favors for your cause.
1: Yeah um so i guess in, instead of like using the same tactics back would you suggest that re- like republicans or people on the right that don't think that they're doing these kinds of dirty tactics should focus on things like being like putting measures in place to prevent all these kinds of things from happening
0: well i think you, you like it, it's not it's not hard to say that if anyone shows up at a political figure's house or even just like a public figure like jack dorsey who not even he's not a politician he's not a public no. figure he's not elected we didn't vote for him um I don't think it's too much to ask that we say, like, yeah, that's not cool. Don't support that. Disavow. And I think we should be doing that. And, um, you know, there are going to be some people who watch this and say, like, no, like, you're the reason why conservatives are losing, blah, 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 blah. And, like, look, I'm not saying that we can't call out lies when they're told about us, that we shouldn't uh, really get, get down in there and confront issues. And, you know, if there are smear tactics being used against the right, which there are, that we should dispel them absolutely not i'm not saying just roll over and take whatever and be useless and just like in, in veep like an earlobe that does nothing just sitting there if you watch veep you'll understand the reference you don't though so you no can, yeah no. you should i watch good um, shows ah oh, you're annoying um so yeah i don't know it's just it and it's anytime something like this happens there are going to be people on the left who say why aren't you calling this out blah, blah blah are you a hypocrite and it's like no i'm calling this out it has a segment on the show So can't say that I'm complicit, but it's just, yeah, I, I, it's, it's too much cringe to keep talking about this. I'm like dying inside. I have secondhand, just like, I wanted this to not ever happen to anybody, but oh gosh. Anyway, um, so Game of Thrones. And if you are not a fan of the show, don't worry. Um, this will still hopefully make sense for you It's you know, a larger conversation about diversity in media. If you are a fan of the show, what did we decide? Mild spoilers Uh, from this past episode.
1: Yeah, it's about this past episode. I wouldn't say they're central to the plot. To it's be not fair. central to the plot. But if yeah, so that's up to you. my mild, mild spoilers—we'll call them sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, if if you don't even want to risk it because you're just like really invested in everything being a surprise when you watch the last episode for the first time, uh, come back in ten minutes when the segment is over. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's your warning. All right. Going back into it. So this past episode has a lot of people feeling. A lot of different ways. We're not going to get into it right now. Maybe in the after show if anyone asks. Mm. But um, this this one author and it's like this isn't just some random blog post uh, that that we found. This is this is actually from Yahoo, so it's, it's not some crazy yelling into the internet. Well, it is, but they're on Yahoo, so they're like irrelevant crazy. Anyway, um, he's complaining. He or she. I don't know. Okay.
1: I don't know if we can make those assumptions. This individual
0: at all. is complaining that too many immigrants or foreigners are dying on game of thrones and if you haven't seen the show it's kind of ridiculous to complain that any particular group is dying too much because everybody i mean it's like literally a meme that everyone dies on game of thrones
1: yeah that's true like actually
0: like the the literal interpretation of meme um so he uh they have this piece where okay in, in the last episode there was this huge battle and a lot of the i guess foreign soldiers that were brought over to fight in this battle ended up dying because it's a huge battle
1: so did many of the local soldiers as exactly well, of just course. a, a yeah, lot of deaths a lot of people died very evident that many of the foreign soldiers died yeah, yeah very, as
0: well yeah. and uh you know if you're not familiar with game of thrones it is a show that's kind of based on almost a, a fantastical interpretation of medieval europe yeah right so you kind of have like the europe equivalent and you have the like, Middle East equivalent. They're called different things, but it's, like, essentially that's what they are. And this show is somewhat, I mean, the main characters are all from the European country, but George R. R. Martin has done a very good job building a very full world with diversity that I think a lot of authors haven't done. But in any case, what we we can bring up this article, uh, what the person complains about is that where once it seemed like Game of Thrones had something to say about the topic of immigration and the introduction of new populations to the state old continent of Westeros, I'm no longer sure it's interested in such heady, heady, ideas anymore. It continues to burn up entire ethnicities like kindling in the fire of expensive battle scenes, revealing that it only introduced them in the first place to populate its numerous bloodbaths. Entire peoples with proud, interesting histories have been given the send-off of a random red-shirt cadet in Star Trek. It's odd, because not only have so many outsiders died to protect the people of the Seven Kingdoms, but some of the most prominent characters have foreigners to thank for their skills, experiences, and magic they've learned from both Essos and the Free Folk. So it sits a bit awkwardly that there are very few free folks or immigrants from Essos left to share in both the rewards and a slice of the power structure that emerges afterwards. The show could still find some way to address these themes and questions that once seemed central to the themes of the show. Unfortunately, it's killed off so many immigrants and foreigners that it's left itself very little to work with. Um, so right off the bat, you know, this person is claiming that in the past, it seemed like Game of Thrones was ready to have a conversation about introducing yeah. immigrant populations. What episode was that? Did I miss that? Well, they talked Did a lot I...
1: about the wall in the article yeah Um, and but the thing is like this like martin started writing those books in the 90s yeah yeah the 90s it wasn't any earlier than that but yeah it was long before like trump's wall yeah yeah that's not way way before that it's not related in any way
0: and also just like even besides trump wall like historically walls have been a thing oh like yeah yeah. it's like it's not just donald trump pulling out of nowhere whether you support the implementation of one on the southern border of the united states or not it's like Mm. historically it's like they have existed for other reasons than to keep out mexican cartels um yeah but also like it's just it's so strange to me how there are people who no matter the medium no matter the show no matter the, the topic they'll try to read social justice oh yeah i don't know like themes into it and look i'm not saying that game of thrones hasn't gotten a kind of political lately and we're going to get into that in just a second but it's like i don't think like you could say a lot of things about the symbolism of that show i really don't think that immigration really is no one
1: no i wouldn't think so at all
0: yeah so i I feel like this person's just reading too much into it and like regarding the fact that the foreign soldiers died so many other people died like in Mm. that show there was a little oh don't want to say this, this is a little spoiler whatever we kind of Whatever. Women and children die in the show. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil too much, yeah. but women and children die. It's like you're complaining about the foreigners. A, it's fictional, not real. And I don't know. And, and like he complains that they complain that the power structure isn't going to be shared. It's like Martin is within his rights to write a story about European characters
1: Right, of course. But one of the things I found funniest was he kept characterizing these people as migrants or immigrants or or outsiders. And it's like literally like they are the meme of an army of fighting age males that are over there to conquer like that's literally what <laughs> you, they are like,
0: do you even want these people to be considered like your your <laughs> a, i don't know allegory for migration considering that yeah, they are literally just fighting age yeah. males like a foreign invading force actually yeah, for literally. the sole
1: purpose of conquering that yeah, yes, the native
0: population oh my god that's true so yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be wanting to make that that comparison if i were this person um but yeah this isn't the first time that game of thrones has failed the diversity test we actually we did a video about like woke media a couple weeks ago uh, if you haven't watched it you can check it out but there have been people that have complained in the past that there are more redheads on game of thrones than poc
1: mm.
0: people of color if you're not familiar uh which i mean i guess is true i don't know how many redheads there are but it's like you're allowed to have shows that have redheads and that take place in a land that might be medieval europe like that's okay and there are redheads
1: more rare too like aren't they probably less represented i don't know we get into a little
0: yeah like i'm trying to think of like who the redheads are aside from like sansa and
1: um the guy with the beard
0: uh torment anyway yeah but besides the point um and again like you know if you haven't seen the show and you're listening to our criticism of this article you might think yeah there's nothing wrong with having a you know overwhelmingly white cast that's not even it like that's the thing People complain about Game of Thrones. It actually does have diversity. It has different, you know, skin tones a dis- different uh, cultural backgrounds of the characters. It's mm-hmm. like it just it frustrates me because he has done a good job yeah. of of building a really well rounded fantasy world, and it just it it makes me sad that it's never going to be enough for these people. Um, but with that being said, I do want to say that on the show, which is now in its eighth season. It's eighth season. Um, there has been a decline in quality since they've departed from the books. <sighs> to say the least. Yeah. So the past, like, what? Six, seven, and eight, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. They've done... While they might have fallen short in diversity for some of these people, I think they well more than made up for it in the women empowerment yeah, stuff. Yeah, and Holy
0: that's that's guacamole. what I wanted to bring up. Because it's like, Martin, I, I think he's he's one of those people who... It doesn't necessarily seem like he's pushing like diversity, pro-feminist agenda but at the same time the way he's written the world just because he's such a solid writer he has strong female characters who are strong just because they're well-rounded people with their own distinct motivations and skills like you know he writes them like real people not just diversity tropes so props Mm. him for that and same you know with his non-white characters they're not just a a token to look our gay trans uh lesbian two-spirit whatever like no it's like they come from a a well-thought-out background, they're relevant to the story. He's done a great job of that. Since the show has departed from the books, though, I think we are starting to see more of that, like, the superficial, lame social justice diversity. Yeah, I feel like I'm being hit
1: in the face by a brick whenever I see this stuff. You know, every yeah. single episode, it's always the same thing. There's, and like,
0: I'm... distinct, like, girl power. Like, I'm a strong woman. Look how...
1: Yeah, and there was some of the immigration stuff when you had Miss... Uh... Oh,
0: yeah. Anyways, we yeah. won't
1: get into any of that it, stuff. It's but hard with that, not after. wanting to spoil yeah. it. But, yeah, yeah. in
0: in... In the series, there's like this one scene where the two non-white characters, they're like in this European-esque land and they're, you know, they're new there and they're looking around and one of the women who's not white tries to make friends with this little girl and she's just kind of like greeted with stares and the little girl's scared. And it's like kind of that scene is like making it look like, oh my gosh, what racist these white people are. Let's go back to our own country. And it's like, keep in mind, like one, both of you were slaves. One of you was made into a eunuch, (laughs) like your country practiced slavery. You're still better off there. Oh, yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Anyone who's not interested in Game of Thrones has probably stopped paying attention a-, a-, a while ago. But anyway, um, if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, if this were three seasons ago, I would have recommended it. I don't know what to do anymore. I mean, it's still it's not the worst thing, but um, it is definitely an instance where we are starting to see more of the push yeah. for like, hey, look at this female character and look how much she's kicking butt and look she can take down a guy that's seven times her size just by virtue of female empowerment and i know you love that
1: oh it's, it's really yeah. fun to. Watch. anyway
0: um if you want to hear us talk about game of thrones more we might do it in the after show but uh for now i think we're going to be back in just a few seconds with the interview with tim pool and bill ottman tim bill thank you guys so much for coming on
2: yeah thanks for having me
0: so, Tim, you are a journalist and content creator. You have two channels on YouTube, Tim Pool and Tim Cass. You're just one of the most prolific content creators that I know. And you also are starting up Subverse, uh, Subverse.net, which focuses more on, I think, just straight up journalism. And, Bill, you are, of course, one of the minds behind Minds.com. I, I hope I'm the, the first one to, to make that joke. Um, but the reason why I wanted to have you guys on today is to start off the conversation with... Uh, Going over some of the issues we've been seeing with big tech and censorship now recently uh, Tim you've made videos about videos about this We've seen that Twitter has actually banned the campaign accounts of people like Carl Benjamin Sargon of Akkad and Tommy Robinson And keep in mind these are not their personal accounts. These were the accounts they were using for their political campaigns Um, now with that in mind it kind of begs the question um, how much influence should we give these social media sites over our lives and our society? Because I focus on tech censorship a lot and I think a lot of people think it's secretly because I just want to be able to make racist videos or some other craziness, but it's, it's really not. If we, if we look at the way social media sites are operating now, they're not just where we get information about our, our friends and our relatives and find out whose birthday it is. They're actually the filter that, all of our information passes through. So when we look at social media sites starting to take very definitive stance um, against people being able to use their platforms, even if it's not in a personal way, even if they are running for mainstream political parties, then I think we have reason to worry. So, uh, you know, I want to hear from both of you on this. What, what's, what's your opinion on where the line should be between um, just general censorship and enforcing terms of service and actually potentially interfering in real life elections?
2: Well, the, the argument I've often made is they've become so big, they're having a direct impact on elections. So at a certain point, we have to recognize that, sure, a private company has its own rights and can do it at once. But when it starts becoming a detriment to public discourse, it becomes an issue. When it comes to the campaign accounts of Carl Benjamin and Tommy Robinson, that may be, we, we've seen a dramatic and nightmarish escalation of the censorship in the past few weeks. It's, it's getting scary. They, they've issued statements. They've given interviews where they've said they will allow public figures, mostly politicians, to break the rules if it's newsworthy or relevant to the public. So what they're basically saying is Donald Trump breaks the rules. They're not going to ban him for it. But they will ban you before you get the chance to be a public figure. They take down you know, Carl Benjamin's Twitter account, and it wasn't run by him. It was run to give announcements to his campaign. Well, Twitter is now saying we don't like you for past things you've done. And we're going to put our thumb on the scale, whether or not Twitter or anyone wants to argue it's a private platform. You've got you've got politicians in the U.S. saying a, a politician not on social media is a losing politician. Right. So by banning campaign accounts, they've now set the stage. So it, it, this is what's scary. Sargon says offensive things. He's broken no laws. And now he will not be allowed to even use the platform for his campaign that's a private company with way too much power. It's it's nightmarishly dystopian.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I agree. It's dystopian. That's why I'm glad that alternatives exist like mine's. But, Bill, something that I, I want to ask you is that, you know, part of what makes Twitter the popular platform that it is isn't necessarily that people are in love with its user interface or that its product is... I don't know, especially unique, right? Because there could easily be alternatives. Things like Gab and Parlay have, have risen up. But what makes Facebook and Twitter these giant behemoths is the fact that they have these huge audiences. So as sort of like a competitor or an alternative to these sites, um, how how would you respond to people saying that it's it's maybe not worth it to even try to offer up an alternative because the audience just isn't there right i mean if we're talking about things like campaigns for instance if tommy or carl has been banned off campaigning from twitter not just personal accounts but actually for political purposes uh you know it's it's not really reasonable to say we'll just go on this other platform because the audience just isn't there what would you say to that
3: i agree with that completely i mean you you have to be in both worlds right so i mean but at the same time we have to be building the alternative as we go because otherwise the algorithms are gonna change or you know, the something's gonna happen with as it is happening with the big platforms and it's just gonna get worse. So it's it's I, I think both paths are essential. Building up alternatives as we go, even just showing a presence, making an account, showing up once in a while, that is what builds the alternative. It's like micro movements on on a, a daily basis that, that cause alternatives to grow. You know, hopefully we can get some mass migrations to occur. In the future but um, you know like I mean I would just echo what Tim said they're um, they're they're being totally inconsistent and they are the commons and they're treating themselves like the commons they're marketing themselves like the commons. so you know different rules sort of should apply Mm
2: -hmm. but I do I do want to stress too it's one thing that I keep hitting bill over the head with in terms of product like okay let me say this I'm concerned that YouTube may one day say we don't like what Tim is doing, and I'm gone, and that's that's devastating to my my career and the work I'm trying to do. So it is great to have you know alternatives. It, it is great to have Minds, and Minds I think is the most viable. It's why I use it. It's why I, I've been regularly saying follow me there, close to 100,000 followers. But in, pro, in in a product sense, whether you know I I don't know to what extent the expansion is going to happen, the group function on Minds is unique and it's, it's really really good. So I, I I I don't want to sit here and shill for Minds, but I do want to make it clear that you know people often point to alternatives in terms of just because you won't get censored, but there's there's two points I want to make. Minds has a really great group function, which is unique to the platform. I haven't found anywhere else. And when it comes to something like Dissenter, that's I got I gotta say when I when Dissenter it's it's you know Gab's got an extension, it's, it allows you to comment on any page anywhere. That was that blew my mind it's so simple and obvious but it's, it's 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 smart so there really are legitimate products real technologies behind what's being built outside of just the idea of not being censored so you know what's happening is Twitter Facebook YouTube the more they censor the more they try to police content for one we saw Google lost 70 billion dollars in market cap because they told their shareholders they're more concerned about policing content than making money but it's also creating a hole in the market for alternatives that actually do have good products and good technology behind what they're doing
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think there, you know, as as much as so much of the draw of these social media sites is the audiences, there is absolutely improvements to be made upon those existing platforms. And you know, I'm I'm on Minds as well. We try to mirror our videos there whenever possible. I think the only thing that prevents us from doing it more often is that there's a 15 minute video maximum. Um, a lot of our videos are longer, but you know, Dissenter from Gab absolutely love that idea. Um, but you know, we can. All I think, at least here, agree that social media companies, a lot of them are taking the issue of censorship too far. But I think with that, there's a little bit of the issue of, yeah, it's, you know, it's really easy to say someone's doing something wrong. It's a lot harder to say what they should be doing instead. And that's something I get asked a lot. All right. You know, you you don't want people uh, to be banned for saying things like a hashtag learn to code. Sounds fair enough. But then comes the question of where do you draw the line. I'm someone who, I, I wouldn't call myself a free speech absolutist because I think it is reasonable for places like Twitter or Facebook to say, no, you can't have you know explicit threats. Uh, you can't post someone's docs or revenge porn. Those types of, um, I guess, limitations seem reasonable to me in, in both of your opinions, one here hear from both of you. Uh, what kinds of, I don't know, censorships, limitations, however you wanna call it, terms of service, would you support on social media sites that you don't think go too far?
3: I mean, we have taken the stance that if it's, as long as it's legal in the U.S. and, you know, it's not inciting violence, it's not huge targeted harassment campaigns or doxing. So, you know, doxing is, you know, not even clearly illegal in every sense. So I think that the pure legal line is is very hard to realize um, but it's all about context. And the thing is that these Twitter doesn't even enforce its own policy consistently. So it's not even like they're listening to their own terms.
2: I would say, you know in my opinion, Twitter can't enforce, you know uh, fairly because there's way too many tweets. there's not enough people. They try using an algorithm. It then becomes disproportionate. Twitter has a rule in place. You know, it's, it's one of the things I try explaining to people and they accuse me of being transphobic. Conservatives disagree on the idea of misgendering. That's not that's not like a fringe group of people that is you know believing something that's like more than half the country. In fact, a lot of liberals agree with conservatives on the idea of misgendering. It's kind of a small sect of people who hold this view. So I, I would say this I agree with with Bill in terms of legality like if it's legal speech, allow it. Right. but there is an important point to be made with something like YouTube and Facebook. I think youtube is under no obligation to promote content i think if you subscribe to somebody it should appear in your subscriptions feed but youtube does have a recommended section and i don't think youtube has to recommend content that's them promoting you to a bigger audience but i do i do get worried because there's no there's there's not really an in-between youtube either treats you like normal and promotes your content or puts you in restricted mode where you can't even comment on the video or share like you, you you can't even interact with the video in any way you know, I think it's fine if YouTube wants to say this kind of language is bad and we're not going to feature it on our front page or in the trending tab versus we're going to lock the video net entirely so that you can't even search for it. That to me is is kind of, you know, but but I'll admit it is tough. Yeah, it is I... tough because with Twitter, you have a you have a reverse chronological feed, which means if I follow you, I want to see what you say. But YouTube- not by default. Not by default anymore, you're right, right. Now that now Scott they've gone algorithmic and which is getting worrisome now because they're going to start That's where it gets really, really bad, because now you know on YouTube you subscribe to somebody, they don't show you that anymore. You click the notification bell, they don't notify you anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think if you elect to receive the information, you should receive the information. If YouTube, Twitter, anyone else wants to promote something that's totally different, but the problem is there's no in between. You know, YouTube isn't saying we're going to let you get a subscription feed. No, they're just not showing you anymore. So that's. It's 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 getting dystopian. It well it is it is dystopian.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and, and I just want to touch upon that point you made about the whole Twitter, uh, sorry, YouTube subscription feeds. Um, there have been a lot of channels that have been complaining that people aren't getting notifications when they release videos, and they're not their videos aren't showing up in their subscription feeds. Now, I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that this is just political videos that this is happening to. Um, it seems to be quite quite a lot of different channels, but YouTube very much denies that this is a problem at all uh do you think when it comes to the issue of not seeing the content that you have signed up for do you think that this is just a a glitch in youtube system which i admit could happen i have no idea how youtube works i'm not a coder or 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 do you think this is them just trying to smooth smooth over the fact that they're maybe trying to test out something akin to shadow banning which uh, i think it's twitter that does that
2: youtube actually released a statement about this and they said it's intentional it's wholly intentional They said the average person would be upset if their phone was just vibrating every five minutes with a new video. So they decided to only show notifications to those who they believe are the the biggest fans of your content. That triggered outrage because if I hit the little icon saying I want the notification, I should get it. YouTube says they don't think you're right. They think YouTube says "We, we, we hear you, we think you're wrong, and we're not going to give you what you're asking for. So I don't even know what's the point. Yeah. Of adding the notification bell, if they're going to, they put out a video saying this, so uh, it's 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 absurd. If I ask for it, I want it. Mm-hmm. Let me deal with the stream of notifications.
0: Bill, if you uh, if you follow someone on on Minds, are you actually going to see their content, or are you just going to pick and choose? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe not.
3: That's the whole thing. I mean, one hundred percent raw, chronological forever. I mean, the default, the default feed will always be that. And we've committed to that because, okay, fine. You can have different feeds that are algorithmic and suggestions and whatnot. But if once you start interfering, interfering with that core value proposition, of you subscribe to me, you get my content whenever I do it. That is the core function of social media. If it doesn't do that, it's completely lost its way. And just to uh, add on what you said about the blurry line of, you know, free speech, we're going to be rolling out a jury system actually to so that users are in flash voting pools voting on content in in alignment with mostly the law and but you know also some other things that are more specific to tech platforms which can't just purely be the the law because the thing is that behind the scenes things get too subjective We don't want that responsibility on our shoulders it shouldn't we 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 don't deserve that power the community deserves that power
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's that's actually a really great idea that that that's something that I've always Wondered about because even if Twitter was trying to make efforts to be completely impartial, which i I wouldn't necessarily say they are. It raises the question, is that even possible for someone to be? And I honestly don't think that it is. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to move the conversation now to an event that you guys are are both I- involved with. Um, it's happening in August, at the end of August in New Jersey. It's a Minds IRL event, which is essentially an all-day conference featuring a bunch of panels with different speakers on different issues like a prohibition. I think I'm on one. By the way, I'm going to this for anyone who's watching. I'm on one uh, that's going to be talking about immigration there's the issue of um, what role private companies have to play in things like activism now Tim you know you have subverse.net bill you're with mines what made each of you who are kind of operating in these online realms interested in having an in-person event what do you think that can add to the conversation like being actually in the same room with other people that you may not get if uh, a platform was strictly online
2: well for me uh, and I will add, Subverse is primarily a YouTube channel. I don't want to, you know, the website's not really that great. Mm-hmm. It, but mostly we're doing YouTube videos, and the goal is for Subverse to make more straight-laced, you know, very, uh, I, I mean that, like straightforward news, expert opinion videos. If you watch my main channel or my second channel, it's it's usually me opining on something. Subverse is mostly just, it's like 99% news, because I want to make sure we're doing something that's informative that can, you know, the the opinion stuff can fund the real journalism. As for the event, I absolutely wanted to have involvement in some capacity, uh, simply because I think when we sit online all day, we sit in an echo chamber. We only hear our opinions back at us. I went to, I I accidentally spoke at Mythicist Milwaukee. And so Mythicist, these are the guys who are helping organize it. I went to the event just because it was fun. And there was a speaker who dropped out, so they asked me to go on. While I was sitting on the stage, I recommended that people follow David Pakman and ContraPoints to get their, their take and opinions on things. A bunch of people clapped and a bunch of people booed. And that's a really good result. That means there are some people in the audience who are familiar with these creators, don't like them. But it means going to these physical events will bring people of different political ideologies together to hear these right. narratives they might not hear when they only sit in their echo chamber. So physical physical events are extremely important. And, and we need more. We need more than just this one event. We're doing you know at the end of August. We need to do as many as possible. And one, one of the things I'm really excited for is that there's going to be progressives. There's going to be actual progressives, people who who you are know, very critical of the right. Republicans are going to be there, and we need to hear what they have to say. And we need to show we need to share I- our ideas with them too.
3: Yeah, I mean, mine's actually started out as a, as a live event platform, and then we we shifted to the web just because you know access to to people, but discourse totally changes in person. The the way that people communicate, people's willingness to, I think, change their minds. Um, I think Pacman's actually uh, going to be attending. And, yeah, like Tim said, lots of uh, other progressives and, and libertarians and, and everyone. And it's just, we get, so, when you're shielded by this, you don't communicate in the same way and i don't think there's nearly as much respect as people would otherwise have people who are disrespectful online probably like super nice people in in person so uh, you know that's how that's how
2: things change Mm -hmm. not all of them but most of them them. yeah and (laughs) they don't have to be yeah
0: And uh, something that I did want to ask, because when I announced this, that I was going to this event, I saw comments about this, and I understand that you guys aren't necessarily uh, the ones who are in charge of booking talents, that's more the uh, the Mythicist guys, who, by the way, are awesome, really nice in person, they are such, such great uh, event hosts, they really are, but, you know, whenever you attempt something like this, where you want to bring in a a bunch of different opinions, there's always going to be people who are saying, why don't you have more... Progressives. Where is your ex-representation? Like, where are your conservatives? Now, I, I went through the list. Like, you, you definitely have some progressives. You have some centrist um, people who are like kind of left-leaning. I mean, you have Shoe on Head, Armored Skeptic. Sargon's going to be there. I guess he's kind of uh, center, center-right, center-left depending on the issue. Uh, me, Hunter, Avalone were more conservatives. I mean, what did that look like? Just trying to make a list of people who. You know are willing to engage with each other might be free like how do you even balance that knowing that regardless of what you do there are going to be people who are complaining as i'm sure you guys have probably already seen
2: on my experience conservatives are more than excited in fact and actually conservatives usually are the ones yelling at the top of their lungs debate me <laughs> yeah. and you know they want the conversation <laughs> to happen and it's not necessarily conservatives but centrist types it's typically only the progressives who are more apprehensive and i think there's a good reason for it they to, to be i think i think a good faith response is that there's a lot of progressives who want to make sure they're not stepping on anyone's toes they're they're more about their collective their group trying to minimize harm whereas individualist types conservatives or centrists think i don't care if i make you angry deal with it right so if you take two groups one says i don't care if you're offended or i'm you know i can't help it if you're offended the other side says i'm going to try not to offend people to the best of my abilities then you'll see that disparity. Progressives are more likely to say, "I want to be careful about hurting someone's feelings or or, or putting or, or harming them in some way," and so it is in my ex- my experience much harder to get progressive to show up. But I think when done with enough time and done correctly, they're they're absolutely willing to come and, and talk. Not all of them, uh, and that's true for conservatives too. Mm-hmm. But you know they're there.
3: Yeah, it's it's a strange balancing act, but it's really dangerous idea that you're not gonna participate in a conversation because you're afraid you're going to be associated with that person. Yes, yeah. I, I, for, I forget who it was um, uh, with the, sp- the spectator, um, Douglas something, uh, but he Murray? was, Murray, yeah. He, he had a really interesting talk with Sam Harris where they were talking about like, oh, I I danced with that person. And so therefore I'm like, you know, taking on a certain part of their person. It was just a myth. And if if you operate like that, you know, that is how conversation gets shut down. And that is how tribes form, teams form. And it's just it's not true that if you participate in a conversation with someone that you endorse their ideas, even if you're being nice to them and respectful in the conversation, it's, you know, but at the same time, you have to be responsible for how, you know, you don't want to pander and you want to stand up for yourself. But I think that there's just a lot of people afraid of this association issue I think it has to do with net social networks as well but you know the 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 big idea is that censorship causes amplification of violence and extremism we know that this happens so the only way that we're going to be be able to um, disinfect the ideas is with everyone engaging those ideas I mean there's dozens of studies on this and this is why i don't understand why the major social networks are behaving like this it, it seems well maybe i do but they it's reactive. Know, they know that when they do this they're going to cause those banned people and organizations and ideologies to get really upset and radicalized and so it, i i consider it negligent and irresponsible for them to to be engaging in this
0: well but i mean what, what it's happens kind of like is... the streisand effect right that people call it
2: well, it makes people feel desperate. You know, when when you're when you're able to go on Twitter and yell and yell, people might come back and insult you, but you feel like you at least can tell them. When they start banning people, they feel like they're put in a box with no opportunity. The only thing they have left is to to take their actions to get more extreme. And we 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 see this in rhetoric. People say, you know, the reason I'm so offensive and angry is so that people will finally listen.
3: Mm-hmm. But I
2: think the more the more dangerous aspect of what's happening is that the left. Politics, as I, the way I describe it, is politics only flows in one direction. If a liberal speaks to the conservative, they'll accuse them both of being conservative. Yeah. There's there's, there's a situation in which a conservative talks to the liberal and they say they're both liberal. It doesn't happen. So the left is effectively pushing as many people as possible away, accusing them all of being right-wing, far-right, alt-right, whatever. And we even see, it's there's a phrase that describes this, the left eats itself. It's been said over and over again. It describes the phenomenon and Barack Obama recently called it a circular firing squad that's predominantly on the left they're pushing people away so we need to figure out a way to to remove the stigma and allow the conversations to happen without pointing the finger at someone and saying you must be a conservative for talking to conservatives yeah and like
3: one of the, the one of the best uh progressives I know that is able to communicate is actually Lee Camp I don't know if you know him but he's a comedian and and the thing about him is that he he's able to laugh like if he if you if you dissolve humor from the equation, everything is just gonna gonna go completely south. So and and, and the real progressives you talk to, whether I, I even had a conversation with Noam Chomsky recently on the, on email, and you know these kind of people support they're very against censorship. You know Greenwald, the, these these types of media characters are um, they they're not in the same tribe as the um, you know radical left and but it, it, it's almost becoming too much when we keep saying radical left or like it, it's it, just us repeating oh, that right. phrase is causing you know that's this conversation is going to be observed potentially in the lens of us oh just being you know more of that sort of quasi-centrist you know people who like to call themselves classical liberals and centrists but aren't really
2: it's but I'm, I'm a social liberal right and so that's a distinction i always make Classical liberals have always been associated with more center-right politics. I would probably fall in line closer to Barack Obama, aside from all his foreign policy and murder and all that <laughs> stuff, but, you know, domestic policy. And my opinions haven't really changed. I supported Bernie in 2016. Currently, I'm extremely excited about Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard's a little far off in of domestic policy for me, but there's war, you know, she's very anti-war. I'm supporting Democrats. I'm not a fan of Trump. I am not a classical liberal. I've never, I've never been. And I want to have a real conversation about what the Democrats used used to talk about. The Democrats used to be in favor of securing our borders. Bernie Sanders still is. Bernie Sanders recently said no to open borders like a week ago. I'm less a fan of Bernie because he endorsed Hillary, but I'm not even in the same camp as Dave Rubin and, and the intellectual dark web types. Maybe more like, uh, I, I'm probably in a similar spot as the Weinsteins. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they consider themselves progressives in favor of real social justice. Where can this conversation happen? And that's that's what that's what the pro, you know these bullies who try and push people away are making it harder for people like me to have real conversations conversations with conservatives about why certain ideas are good ideas because of just the 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 anger i suppose and the, and the, the stigma
0: well and just on that and i want to you know i never know what to call Certain groups right because I am I'm conservative, but I try not to call them liberals because I mean the reasons why I disagree with them happen to actually be pretty liberal policies. I don't want to call them just, you know, on the left because I know that's not accurate, Uh, you know, far left, radical left. I think you call them uh, identitarian leftists a lot, which is like pretty accurate. I always struggle with that. I, I don't want to offend I I know that sounds stupid, but I I really don't want to misrepresent the views of people who are just liberals or Democrats who won't agree with those people just by virtue of them being left of me. I don't know if that made sense. But, uh, you know, the issue of guilt by association, that's that's something I want to bring up, because I think, you know, if I if I look at the lineup of, of people who you have on, there is a mix. But I think it's also pretty safe to say that everyone is essentially within the Overton window as it stands right now um what would you say to someone who is on the far left radical left whatever who says that they wouldn't want to um go to an event like their like yours because it might potentially give legitimacy to certain viewpoints because that's something that I hear a lot you know if, if someone doesn't want to come on my show or be on a platform with me I've, I've heard it said that they don't even want to entertain the idea that my viewpoint or you know someone else further to the right of me that our viewpoints are even worth discussing that they should even be part of the conversation so what would you guys say to that and kind of similarly is there anyone that you wouldn't have invited to a forum like this because they're too far outside of the Overton window?
3: Well, it's sort of a paradox with, uh, you know, this idea of boycotting, because boycotting does, in some senses, work. It can be an effective tool for certain things. I mean, if you don't want to support something, you don't support it and you don't give energy into it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if what is your vision for the future of this world? Do you want something where there can be respectful discourse, nonviolent um communication or do you not and if if you're if you're unwilling to have the conversation it it sort of seems like you're leaning towards this polar polarized world um that it doesn't feel too bright to me
2: Mm -hmm. i think it's a serious uh serious conundrum because i certainly respect the principle of free speech for everybody even the worst of the worst i'm not an absolutist right there are laws in this in the united states and canada uh canada's got it worse than we do but in the we, U.S., you we can't certainly do.
3: Violence.
2: You know, there, there's some things you can't do. In fact, we recently had somebody, I believe, in uh, um, uh, well, 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 you get it. Violence, yeah. threats, not acceptable. So, the challenge is in putting on an event. Personally, I don't want to invite the worst of the worst extremists. I don't want to invite some fringe anti guy in a mask who believes in using violence against people, and I don't want to invent, uh, in, invite overt white supremacists. Because I don't feel that they're part of the conversation we're having. So it's, it's you know, look, I think if you want to put on your event, you can do it. We're putting on our event for for a range of ideas that we think, you know, are worth talking about and addressing. And that includes people associated with identitarianism on the left. And, you know, uh, I, I don't know to what extent we, we you know, we, we have a range of opinions. To be completely honest, I feel like the event we're putting on is a range of thinkers who believe in freedom. Mm. And if you if you believe in that, then, you know, we've made room for, for not everybody because the biggest, the, the full list of everybody we want, obviously we can't do it. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it is really hard to figure out where the line is. And I think one of the challenges is that certain ideas aren't acceptable to the public and could put a big target on your back. And while we want to certainly tackle as many ideas as possible... They're, they're, we are under threat from extremists on all sides. We're trying to shut things down. And it's not just the left. It's There are people on the far right who are threatening and targeting. And how we navigate this conversation is really hard. It's really hard. I, I, that's all I can really say. It's yeah. hard to explain and it's hard to pull off, but we're trying our best.
3: And, and we're not claiming to have the the perfect panel. I mean, we sent out a blast, try to get as much in, um, as, as many people involved as we could. The people who responded, you know, basically are the people who are coming and, you know, we made effort to get people from both sides. I will say, however, though, that on, um, on the topic of bringing hyper extremes together, I would be interested in the future in doing events like that because you know, bringing white supremacists on with, you know, former radicals. I've been in touch with Daryl Davis's first people who, you know, he's the um, black man who confronted hundreds of members of KKK, got them all to oh, change. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I say that I talk about him too much, but I want to bring him to an event. I mean, he's done Ted talks on this and, you know, creating that, uh, interaction is what heals things. So, We need to be able to do that, but it needs to be framed in the right way so that people don't feel like they're supporting those people by showing up at the same event with them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that's something that I've struggled with a lot because, you know, honestly, I can say I think pretty safely that i do understand the far left better than a lot of conservatives because they don't actually listen to them or consume their media i do i try to and likewise i think that i understand the alt-right a lot more than uh you know a lot of people on the left because i actually listen to them and i, I, I you know I'm, i go on paul I, I browse 4chan and stuff like that but it's you know it, it's hard for me to say that yeah i I, i'll talk to anybody without someone on twitter or social media saying well then why don't you have david duke on your podcast Or, or something like that so i think you guys are right it is kind of a a hard line to cross and there's always the issue of you know are you you just signal boosting someone's viewpoint or are you trying to understand that i haven't found the best way to approach that uh I still get crap for talking to all all kinds of people. But thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, Now, so the Minds IRL event that's going to be, I think it's, what, the weekend of August 30th uh, in New Jersey. Links will be down below if you're you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, We hope you can make it. Um, For people who want to keep up with what both of you are doing, where are the best places to do that?
2: Go for it, Tim. Uh, I'm basically everywhere at Timcast, T-I-M-C-S-T. And for, for the sake of Bill here, I'll say minds.com slash timcast. But I'm everywhere. Yeah, and everyone, and,
3: you know? and all I'll say is that like I also <laughs> I also don't like shilling minds. It's 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 I what I'm about is is alternatives in general. You know, get open source, privacy focused browsers, operating systems, apps. Use them all. Use everything that you can that is not Facebook, Twitter, Google. Because when you use them, you give them energy, and they don't deserve your
0: energy. Mm-hmm. and that's actually that's something that you I, have to
3: use them a little bit
0: <laughs> that's something that I tell like creators all the time if, if anyone asks me like what advice would you have to me I want to start up a YouTube channel is don't depend on any single platform that's a really bad idea you want to you want to be everywhere completely agree with that um, so again guys really appreciate you really appreciate you coming on sharing your ideas with us uh, can't wait to see you both in August I think it's gonna be a really fun time and yeah thanks again
3: yeah thanks, thanks for having us so
0: So that's it for the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And if you are watching this live, then be sure to stay on this stream because we're going to be back in just a few seconds with some exclusive Q&A. But aside from that, I hope you have a great night and I'll see you next time.